The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Like I said, Khanif uh, Ibrahim uh, Hendricks has an incredibly interesting biography. Uh, born and raised in District 6, um, he's the leader of Al Jamaa. And this party was founded in 2007. It is a Muslim-based political party, uh, and they have seats in parliament. Uh, Hendricks identify as a staunch Sunni, um, and that's that's the, and beyond that, he was exposed to politics at a very young age by his activist mother, Khairunisa Ali Hendricks. Interestingly, though, her surname wasn't always Hendricks, or their surname wasn't always Hendricks. Um, his parents were Imam Sheikh Ibrahim Latif from Durban and Khairunisa, who was also known as Mrs. Sheikh. In the 1960s, they were forced to change their surname from Latif to Hendricks to avoid being deported to the Natal. And that, that, that's such a common story in the South African anti-apartheid uh, uh, story, you know, especially amongst activists. And it, 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 defines, it defines the identity of a lot of people. Hanif, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good evening. Assalamu alaikum to your uh, uh, listeners. Salam. Um, I, I want to start here. Do you identify as Hendrix or Latif now that you have the option of restoring that? Look, uh, Hendrix, but my children's second names uh, are all Latif. So we're keeping the Latif uh, in the family. Ah, okay. That's that. That's an interesting way of keeping that that sort of heritage alive. Um, look, Al Jamaa is a political party that, of recent, has has gained quite a lot of popularity. Some may say uh, notoriety, but it is a party that has 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 claimed a stake in the national politics. Founded in two thousand and seven, why did you enter formal politics in in the electoral space so late into democracy and not? you know, keep going with from the UDF to ANC uh, a route that a lot of anti-apartheid activists uh, chose. Yeah, look, everyone knows Imtia Suleiman of Give of the Givers. He started the first Muslim political party called uh, the Africa Muslim Party. They didn't get a seat uh, in the first elections. And then, uh, you know, he went on to better pastures and now he's doing an excellent job would give up the givers. So uh, uh, after he left, there was a decline in the interest of Muslims to take part in the political life of the country. And eventually those who took over from him, they could only garner about 3,000 votes throughout the country. So that yeah. means only 3,000 Muslims voted for a Muslim party. So then I came on the scene, I was an activist, uh, you know, and not really a politician. You can't be an activist and easily become a politician. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. But then because of the circumstances and because I played a role in, an active role in the Muslim community, although I was, I was an activist uh, underground, uh, you know, I thought, let me... Uh, get the Muslims to play an active role in the political life of the country so that we can leave a Muslim political party as a legacy uh, for future Muslims uh, to uh, to identify with. Mm. It's very difficult for Muslims to identify, especially young Muslims, young Muslim girls, 
to identify with political parties that don't follow the morals of Islam. You know, mm. the youth league, other leagues, I don't want to mention their names. It's drinking and drinking and drinking. Mm. Alcohol, drunken parties and so on. And that is not the lifestyle that parents would trust their young people to go to such political parties. So we, we've established uh, the, um, uh, the Al-Zama, and it took us nearly 12 or 13 years to get the seat in parliament, but we persevered. And in the meantime, we also garnered about 14 seats in five provinces, uh, councillor seats, and we were uh, asked to lead uh, institutions such as MPAC, two deputy mayors, so other political parties had uh, confidence in Al-Zama. The deputy mayor in Escort, we were asked by the NFP uh, to take the lead. So political parties uh, have uh, confidence in Al-Zama because we are a trusted ally, a trusted political party. And uh, so uh, that has led to the confidence of eight political parties uh, to approach me, the Premier of Gauteng approached me on behalf of these parties and asked Al-Jamaa please to lead them in the city of Johannesburg. And we are up to the task because we have a mayor who may join us later on in the program uh, who has been groomed for 10 years. In 2020, we put up boards all over Soweto and Joburg, uh, positioning him as mayor. Those boards still stand today. I think I must take down the board's now because he is now uh, the executive <laughs> mayor of the city of Johannesburg. Yeah. It, it, 12 years to get a seat in parliament is a long story of perseverance. You know, um, oftentimes political parties who don't get a seat in the first election cycle typically die out after that uh, and, and don't make it back to a second election. Uh, but 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 you, you sort of kept on there. What is the ethos of the party? What what does Al-Jamaa stand for? What is it? What's what's it? What is it trying to achieve? Look, Al-Jamaa stands for the, for the normal humanitarian values of the United Nations that all nations subscribe to. And this dovetails with the values and policies uh, that we derive from our religion, uh, which is Islam. Uh, at the same time, uh, we are told, you know, that if you go into politics, uh, you should be a platform for all communities. They should all be welcome. And in politics, I agree with that because every vote counts. You can't just depend on the votes of Muslims only, of the people of your faith. You need to lead by example and inspire. And mm. more than half of our lawmakers are outside our faith. More, more than half of our leaders are outside our faith. And we operate in 50 villages in South Africa, which no other political party does. So while we are a Muslim party with a solid Muslim base, uh, we are attracting more and more people outside our faith uh, that identifies with the moral values of Islam, uh, which uh, identifies with the universal humanitarian principles, you know, that uh, that all in the world uh, subscribe to. Mm -hmm. How many members does Al-Jamaa have nationally now? Look, I would say we have about 300,000 members. Wow. And, and, and how... But, you know, but, but now I must qualify, uh, you know, that they have signed application forms because, you know, we went on a massive members uh, uh, of drive. Uh, they may not have paid their 15 rand members of fees because, you know, they're indigent. Uh, but they're all members of the party. 
and we look forward to that 300,000 Botifas. We have tremendous support in new areas like Swanee and in the city of Johannesburg, in the Free State, in other provinces which we never had uh, before the last election. So I have to, uh, you know, go all over the country. People want to meet the president. I try and send others, but they want to meet the president. And uh, I was on a cruise ship to Richards Bay, and when the people heard, they told me, jump off the ship and come and visit us in uh, Matubatuba. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that on the 6th of January. So I'm the first member of parliament that jumped ship to visit this constituency and service them. And at that meeting, they wanted to know, why did you vote no? Why didn't you vote? You know, so my constituency hold me to account. They want to know why didn't you agree that the president of Oposa must be impeached? So I had to please explain, and I did that. And half of them were happy with my explanation. Mm, mm. And and 300,000 members is a lot. Uh, does that reflect in the votes? Do, do, do your members turn out and vote for you? No, at the moment, you know, uh, about 60,000 vote. The others, you know, uh, uh, they joined uh, after we got the seat in parliament. Ah, so okay. getting a seat in Parliament, you know, inspired everyone now to join because now we were serious. Mm. I served on six portfolio committees, justice, home affairs, water, small business. And they realized that I can do things in these uh, portfolio committees, jumping from one committee uh, to another committee. Mm. And now that we are governing the city of Johannesburg, our support will grow tenfold. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned the committees in Parliament you sit on because one of those committees is Home Affairs and an important piece of bill is, is, is in front of Parliament and having come out of that committee, which is the Muslim Marriages Bill. That's what you're going to be talking about uh, with your guest uh, this evening. Why is that the conversation you chose? Look, I chose that because Islam is here for 350 years and our marriages are not recognized. And if you don't have a marriage certificate, you know, there's problems with, uh, you know, estate, with pensions. If you travel overseas, you can't bring your wife along in Arab countries because you've got to have a balance on African marriage certificate. You can't easily transfer houses uh, if there's, a, you know. And then also the, the indignity suffered by Muslim women and children is unacceptable. Our Muslim wives are considered to be wars and uh, their children are considered to be bastards in terms of the law. Mm. So we have to change all of that. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's now 29 years under a democratic government, and everyone else has got rights. Everyone else gets marriage certificates, except the Muslim community when we perform a ceremony in a mosque with the imam witnesses, the whole community comes out, you pay your, your what we what you call a bowler, and what, you know, is we call the makhar, and, uh, you know, it is, uh, the bride is present and uh, it is unacceptable that we uh, meet all the requirements. But for some reason, uh, the apartheid government and the ANC government uh, continue not to recognize uh, a Muslim marriage. Mm-hmm. So I brought in a private member's bill, if you, you know, so if, if the presidency and the Home Affairs Department and Parliament and the Department of Home Affairs are not prepared to restore our dignity. I will fight it. I, I will fight for it through a private member's bill, and I've got the certificate of constitutional uh, uh, acceptance. Uh, we are, we are, we have a certificate that we've met all the rules of parliament, 
and uh, we are going to appear before the portfolio committee on the 21st where i will present the bill to them and we hope that they will support it yeah uh Hanif, thank you so much for joining us this evening we're going to take a quick break on the other side of this you can take it away it is half past eight this evening it's time for the tuesday takeover uh Hanif ibrahim Hendricks, leader of al Jama, is our guest this evening um Hanif, take it away seems like we've may have lost connectivity to Hanif. let's take a quick sting and see if we can restore that connectivity the viewpoint weekdays 8 to 10 p.m on safm I'm Kanif Hendricks, the leader of Al Jamaa. This is not a state capture. It is not a coup. I'm your Tuesday takeover guest. I have been invited here. So you're welcome to call on the numbers 086 2023. Send your voice notes and you and you uh, and you know this number, but I'll repeat it: oh six one four one oh four one oh seven. My guest is Advocate Yusuf Dalvai, and we're talking about the uh, registration of Muslim marriages bill, which will come before the Portfolio Committee in Parliament uh, this Friday, and Yusuf has been involved in drafting the bill together with the uh, legislative drafting team of parliament and has been largely uh, responsible for getting a certificate of constitutional compliance and also a certificate that the bill that will be before the portfolio committee uh, meets the rules of uh, parliament. So this is the first time of the 350 years of Islam in South Africa that the bill that will benefit the Muslim community directly uh, will now be considered uh, by Parliament. Uh, welcome, uh, Advocate uh, Yusuf uh, Dalvai. Uh, you can greet the listeners of uh, SAFM now. This is a takeover. This is well, not a coup. It's just a takeover. It is not a capture of <laughs> SAFM. Uh, it is just a takeover. Uh, uh, for a little bit of time. Yusuf Dalvai. Uh, thank you, Andrew Khalif. A very good evening. Assalamu alaikum to you and your listeners out there. And it's great to be on live on air with you this evening. Now, Yusuf, the first question is Is Islamic uh, marriages recognized in South Africa? Uh, and you will now speak as an advocate and not as a victim. Indeed. Uh, thank you for that question, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, your question is if the Muslim marriage is, rec is recognized as South African law. Not as yet, uh, but however, there has been uh, very serious developments uh, of late in, in respect of Muslim marriages, particularly in the latest constitutional court judgment, whereby the court also provided that the legislature in parliament needs to uh, develop the law and uh, legislation for the recognition of Muslim marriages. Tell me about the latest constitutional court judgment pertaining to Muslim marriages that has woken up the president and has woken up home affairs and has woken up parliament. 
Well, that is a very uh, good judgment and a breakthrough for the Muslim uh, community at large, because the Constitutional Court uh, confirmed the Supreme Court of Appeal ruling, which legally recognizes Muslim marriages and declares certain sections of the Marriage Act and Divorce Act unconstitutional. So uh, this matter was uh, the Women's Legal Center Trust, which uh, who approached the Constitutional Court, which is the highest court in our land to provide finality on the state's obligation to recognize Muslim marriages as ordered by the Supreme Court of Appeal. Now the court- Thank you, what are found... the consequences of that? Okay, um, the consequences of this judgment, look, the court heard that for the reasons the court confirmed an order of constitutional invalidity and how the Muslim Marriage Act and the Divorce Act are inconsistent. Uh, sorry, uh, not the Muslim Marriage Act, the Marriage Act and the Divorce Act are inconsistent with various sections of the Constitution insofar as they do not afford Muslim marriages recognition. So pending the coming into force of legislation or amendments to existing legislation, it is declared that Muslim marriages subsisting according to the court uh, order at the 15th of December, 2014, being the date when this action was instituted in the High Court, or which had been terminated in terms of Sharia law, as at 15 December 2014, but in respect of which legal proceedings have been instituted and which proceedings have okay, not been finally... Okay, can I cut you? Can I, can I interrupt? Sure, sure. Can I interrupt, summarize, sure. and state that the Constitutional Court stated that a Sharia marriage is a valid South African marriage? Is that so? That is correct, yes. Okay, uh, now Al-Zamai has submitted a private... But the uh, court uh, order also that the legislature need to develop the law. So we yeah. also... That is where you come in as a member of parliament. I raised in parliament last week that the Department of Home Affairs is circumvent, trying to circumvent the Concord judgment by coming with a, coming up with a one statute marriage bill, whereas the Constitutional Court said there must be a Muslim, a Muslim marriage bill. So uh, the uh, Al-Jamaa submitted a private member's bill uh, to, to, to counter the uh, uh, circumvention of the Department of Home Affairs, and the Speaker is calling them on the red carpet. This private member's bill, what does it entail? So, Al-Jamaa's private member's bill is uh, regarded as a, a minimalist bill. It's focusing mainly on the registration of Muslim marriages. This is intended for in interim relief because as amendments to legislation is a long process and it's a way at least Muslim marriages, marriages will benefit from registration. Now, this private member's bill does not focus on any consequences of marriages, propriety consequences, uh, divorce, it only deals with the bare bones of a registration of marriage, because it is important that our marriages uh, become registered, as one of the consequences of an unregistered marriage is when one of the spouses uh, passes away, uh, it's deemed uh, on the death certificate as unmarried. So these are the important factors. We, we uh, Everybody has a constitutional right uh, to uh, freedom of religion, to practice the religion. So marriage, Muslim marriages has been practiced here for 350 years. 
why are we not recognized at least registration so the private members bill really facilitates the interim relief for registration until such time the legislature has developed a uh, legislation for the uh, marriages uh, in totality uh, including its consequences so um uh, the home affairs has submitted the white paper in re with regards to omnibus marriage um, even that situation, they are saying that the Muslim marriages will be recognized in that process or in that act. However, it's still taking long. So whilst that is being considered in Parliament, um, Al Jamaa has launched and uh, drafted a, a minimalist bill, which is a private member's bill, for the interim relief for Muslim marriages. So our marriages can be registered. Uh, in that regard. Thank you very much, uh, Advocate, uh, for your time. Uh, my next guests are ready to come on. It will be a panel of uh, Professor Muhammad Harun, who is the CEO of Al Jamaa. It will be the Executive Mayor of the City of Johannesburg, and it will be an IT expert that will tell us how uh, uh, Al Jamaa's IT expertise will digitalize service delivery in the city of Johannesburg. I got an award as a pioneer of the internet uh, in 2002, and obviously I'm also throwing my weight behind it. So uh, I think that uh, we are due for a break. And after the break, uh, uh, my three uh, panelists uh, will come on board and we will speak on how to digitalize service delivery uh, starting in the city of Johannesburg under the leadership of His Worship Alderman Abubakar Ahmed Apello. And now that will, that will spread to the villages all over South Africa and maybe some of the metros. But our emphasis is to help the people on the ground. Uh, and uh, so please tune in and phone in I will repeat the, the numbers uh, uh, for you. You are welcome to send a uh, voice uh, note and uh, uh, we will try and respond uh, if there is uh, time. So uh, uh, the, the numbers to phone is 086-00-2023 and the voice note you can send to 0614-104-107. Now come on, send us the voice, voice notes uh, uh, and, uh, and call. You are most welcome. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Uh, good evening, caller. Uh, this is Honorable Hanif Hendricks. Uh, thank you very much for phoning in. Uh, you have the mic. Hello. Caller, uh, you're welcome to make your comment to ask a question. That's me. Is that me? Uh, caller, you're welcome to, 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 to address us, to speak to us. Okay, this is Monday in Cape Town. Yes, welcome. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Good. Um, back in 1987 or 88, grabout, I was in Athlone branch here in Cape Town, 
um, as a security official dealing with every document that is through security. In particular of interest to this topic, amongst those documents that I was busy with, there would be a document from the Muslim Judicial Council signed by the Imam. One page, very few lines, it says married according to Muslim rights. So then, back in 87, 88, are you then saying to me, um, although this marriage was basically on a piece of paper which was worth nothing, secondly, put the nuggets on this proposed um, marriage of Muslims. Will this be according to accrual system, COP, international contract? Please put some nuggets for me and for the listeners. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much for an interesting question. Uh, uh, the, the real test is when you die. The death certificate, if you only did a nikah and you were married according to Muslim rights, your death certificate is never married. And there were many court cases uh, that came heavily down that a nikah in a mosque is not recognized because of the potential polygamous nature of marriages at the time. So, so, so that is the uh, uh, answer uh, to the question uh, that uh, uh, Muslim marriages, uh, that that particular paper, uh, the Muslim community recognizes it, but outside the Muslim community, in terms of the law, uh, it, like you say, uh, it was not worth uh, what was written on it. A Muslim marriage has never been recognized until the constitutional court uh, 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 condemned South Africa uh, for harming the dignity of Muslim wives and Muslim children and demanded that Parliament pass legislation so that these marriages be recognized. Do we have any other listeners on the line? And oh, yes, the other question is that our private members bold there's a definition of a Sharia marriage. The Constitutional Court said that the Sharia marriage. Uh, uh, is a valid South African marriage. So uh, the Constitutional Court uh, advised us that, uh, in our private members' bill to have a definition of Sharia. So there's a definition of Sharia in our bill, and that means uh, that the consequences of a uh, Muslim marriage, if the legislation is passed, will be in terms of the Sharia. And so the consequences will be in terms of Sharia and nothing else. I hope that answers your question. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.7 FM in Cape Town. Yeah, we, okay, we have two honorable guests uh, that has joined us. His Worship, Alderman Abu Bakr, the Palo Amit, Executive Mayor of the City of Johannesburg. Uh, welcome, Executive Mayor. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa I also welcome an IT professional, Brother Safadin. I'd like to greet him. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, Mr. Safadin. 
Mr. Safedin, uh, while we're waiting for you to connect, please interrupt us at any time to tell us that uh, you are connected. You know, with load shedding and everything else, uh, it's a challenge for everyone. But we do have the mayor here. And uh, guess what? I want to put my own executive mayor on the spot. I just have one question for him. I want to ask him uh, one of his first speeches after he became uh, the executive mayor was to say, was to show his excitement that uh, service delivery and dealing with potholes that we will use digitalization uh, to solve the pothole problem that the budget has been approved by province, all three of government is on board. Uh, Executive Mayor, uh, 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 why are you so excited? Why were you so excited about dealing with one of the major problems in the city of Johannesburg and all over South Africa, uh, uh, potholes? Now, potholes, you know, doesn't put bread on the table and uh, it doesn't give you a hot meal. And that's what people want. Uh, but there must be must have been a reason why you raised the issue of, of potholes. It was to do with digitalization. It was it was to do with artificial intelligence. Can you clarify to the listeners, uh, you know, uh, why that was uh, top of mind uh, when you were interviewed? Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, the leader of Al Jamaa. So it's simple. Um, I'm very fascinated about potholes um, for fundamental reasons. However, I know that there has been backlash from uh, the society or social media that says it doesn't put bread on the table. One thing that uh, the residents need to know is that those potholes are going to need human capital to be to be to make sure that they are filled so when you get human capital it means that you are going to create employment um to fill those holes and and it's one of the fundamental issues of service delivery that we also need to fight strongly on the basis that in terms of infrastructure, the, 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 the thing that is visible and it's right on our face, it would be a pothole. And a pothole would be a sign of the collapse of our infrastructure. And also a pothole has damaged uh, more people's vehicles. And not only vehicles, but it has also caused, well, rather they still are causing accidents. And people are losing their lives. People, they are losing their assets, which is the investment in the, those particular vehicles in terms of accidents, in terms of them having to fix uh, the tires. There are people out there who would pay uh, 20,000 rands per tire. There are people out there who would pay 1,000 rands per tire. But irrespective of how much do they pay, however, that is a budget that is not... Uh, put aside by this particular individual who are hit by potholes. Uh, um, long, uh, long story short, so 
we as government, we want people or residents to pay for their cars to be roadworthy. And it would be unfair for the very same people who are paying for their cars to be roadworthy to drive on the road that is unworthy of them driving onto. So there's a system or there are systems in place where to minimize the time period and to minimize an issue of corruption uh, where you would drive around with a camera that has been designed to identify it, to identify the pothole. It identifies where is the pothole and the size of the pothole and the depth of that pothole. Then it will send the data into the dashboard. Then when that data gets into the dashboard, it's like a call center system where there would be other people who would be employed to monitor the dashboard and then they will deploy. So during the government of local unity, the city had a memorandum of understanding with one of the insurance companies that maybe I mustn't say the name. So that company had a, a technology to fill the potholes. So they would drive around with trucks. So it will minimize uh, the amount of time that you put in on filling one pothole. So uh, if you can give, just give me an opportunity. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, you don't interrupt an executive bias. I will apologize twice. Uh, we have an IT international IT professional from Cape Town, born in Cape Town, that has thrown his weight behind uh, Al Jamal. And he is a benefactor providing us with uh, valuable services. And he is prepared to throw his weight behind uh, you, uh, Executive Mayor. Uh, Mr. Safadin, how are you going to do that? How are you going to digitalize uh, service delivery? And how are you going to introduce, uh, and you have a mission on behalf of Al Jamal to introduce 1,000 hotspots to provide residents uh, with free Wi-Fi, free internet. You have two minutes, Mr. Safadin. And being an IT professional, you guys know how to do it. Yeah. You you um, you you it, you are live on air now. Uh, good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It's very simple. If you can do one hotspot, you can do a thousand hotspots. And the second thing is um, the whole objective and the whole goal is to provide free internet throughout the country, and we can do that. We have the capacity to do that. And that is just for the for the for the needy, the poor, the people that don't have access to the internet. What I'm most concerned of is the unemployment rate in 2024, and that is my biggest concern because of the increase of crime. That's it. That's the only reason why I'm doing it, and um, how I do it. That of course uh, belongs to um, our uh, group of companies that that is basically sponsoring it at at the end of the day. We are giving it for free. Am I still online? Hello? Okay, fine. I want to spell it myself. In any case, I will, I will do that. Uh, how many seconds? I didn't get uh, that. I would like, I would like to thank uh, Advocate Yusuf uh, Dalvai, uh, Executive Mayor uh, Abubakar uh, Tapelo Ahmed, 
and also IIT International Professional, uh, Mr. Safadin, uh, for uh, uh, giving us the time and valuable input and information. Uh, thank you very much to the listeners that have sent voice notes. I believe there's hundreds of voice notes, but there's no time to play them. Uh, we managed to put uh, get one listener to question us. And I would now like to uh, 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 introduce the news bulletin and uh, you get the best news on SAFM. Uh, hopefully after the news, uh, I will wrap up. Uh, thank you very much uh, for tuning in, but still send those voice notes. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide, leading the conversation. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us. Uh, really fascinating conversation that Khanif uh, uh, had. Khanif uh, Hendricks, Member of Parliament and Leader of Al had there with his guests, which included uh, uh, Tapelo Ahmed, who is the new Executive Mayor of the City of Johannesburg, about how they plan on digitizing the war on potholes, making use of uh, technologies, uh, new technologies in 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 digit in automating a search and search and report dashboard system uh, that will speed up the process uh, of dealing with potholes, identifying potholes and and making sure that they get sorted out. Uh, Khanif, uh, fascinating conversations, like I said. Um, it's It's been incredible listening to, to, to you speak to your various guests. Um, always, always, always fascinating learning new ways in which uh, different people approach the problems of local government, but also at a national level, uh, you know what lawmakers are doing in that sense, and, and in your case, uh, the um, you know Muslim Marriages Act being a piece of legislature that you're ad- that you're championing in Parliament. Really important conversations there. Uh, did you enjoy uh, being on air? Oh, it was so exciting! It was a thrill of minute, and thank <laughs> you very much for this opportunity. And uh, you know, I will now, after having captured your radio station. I now hand it back to you. Yeah, you 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 brought us a guest for the live song because usually what we have here is that uh, the takeover guest gets to choose a song uh, of of their choice that that represents and and describes them pretty well. But you 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 chose to bring uh, someone to sing the song live for us. Tell us about the song. Tell us about the artist. Yeah, look, when the Muslims came to South Africa three hundred and fifty years ago from Indonesia. They couldn't speak the languages of the Koi and the San and the Price Negroes uh, in Sunflay where they had an open-air prison. So they came up with this song, and this was the South Africa's first revolutionary song. When Muslims hear this song, they all stand up in respect uh, because it uh, the, the, the tune of the song uh, uh, turns you on, uh, takes you to a high spiritual level, and I, I hope that Bonana Khalil Brunkeis will be able to do that when he sings part of this revolutionary song. Mm. The first revolutionary song sung by Sheikh Yusuf of Makassa, the founder of Islam in South Africa. I will move my chair now, it's musical chairs, and Maulana uh, Khalil Brunkes will now take center stage and he will now sing the song for us. Thank you very much. Thank you, take it away. Ya Rasul Luna Ya 
Thank you very much. That was a pleasure to listen to. And that brings us to the end of the Tuesday Takeover. Thank you so much uh, to Khanif Ibrahim. Uh, really, really, um, Khanif Ibrahim Hendricks. Really, really fascinating conversation.